On July 7, 2020, at 4.30 a.m., my husband Brad was in a cycling accident. He survived, but with a traumatic brain injury. Hi, I'm Alyssa Cousins, your host of Self-Care Spotlight. Since 2017, I've been dedicated to Real Talk Self-Care, and this season, we're focusing on one healing modality, writing, specifically poetry. Welcome to the Poetic Healing Series. I'm currently writing my first poetry memoir about this journey, but in the meantime, I want to highlight the poets and poetess out there who are sharing the messy human experience through the art and catharsis of beautiful words. Because the world needs healing and hope and human relating more than ever. So every week, you'll hear a different conversation with one of today's well-known poetry authors on poems to heal racial injustice, sexual empowerment, to using your voice, love, and so much more. As a bonus, they'll share some pieces with spoken word. I am not here to be a poet. I am here to feel my feelings and thus maybe help you feel yours. Oh my goodness, friends, we are on episode 100. (laughs) Wow. When I started this podcast in 2017, I had no intention of continuing past one season. But quickly, I realized how much I loved it and how much all of you were loving it based off of your reviews and feedback. Now, My podcast flow has definitely changed over the years. So to those of you who are still here, thank you. And to those new listeners, thank you. I am so honored by your presence. As a thank you gift for being a part of this community, I'm gifting you my signature new class, Body Art. By heading to the link in the show notes or alyssacousins.com forward slash roses, you'll receive my February body art class to somaticize the thorns and roses of love and life, plus get the epic playlist. So what is body art? Body art is my latest movement method creation, and it was birthed out of what healing modalities I knew worked best for me during the hardest time of my life post-Brad's accident, which I have been talking about this entire season. Body art is a 90-minute embodied dance writing practice that I lead once a month to heal, up-level, and know thyself through the art of music, dance, and writing. Channel your inner healer, artist, poetess. This is about moving emotions from the inside out. No choreography, and there's no dance experience required. I'll lovingly, I'll lovingly guide you through intuitive dance movement and two writing sections, one journaling, one poetry. You might laugh, maybe cry, 
or both. As one student said, just finished body art thorns and roses class. Can't even begin to tell you what an absolutely amazing class it was. Again, you can snag that by heading to alyssacousins.com forward slash roses. That link is in this episode's show notes. And if you give it a try, I would really love to know how it goes for you. This is my latest creation and it brings me the most amount of joy right now. You can message me your thoughts and feedback on Instagram at Alyssa Cousins. Again, that's alyssacousins.com forward slash roses. Now, speaking of art, let's talk today's guest and artist, Marcus Amaker. Have you ever taken a photo of a mountain? A screen never quite captures the magic. To reduce a massive complex miracle to pixels is criminal. It's too simple. We do the same to ourselves. That piece is called Selfie from today's guest, Marcus Amaker. Marcus is a dad, husband, musician, poet, and graphic designer. He's Charleston's first poet laureate, has published eight books, released 33 albums of electronic music, which you're going to get to hear a little bit of today, and it overlays with his poetry. And that comes at the end of the episode. And he has two albums with a Grammy Award winner. He's also the graphic designer of No Depression, the popular Roots music journal. If you've ever thought about being a creative for a living or are in the midst of that path or are simply inspired by those whose presence oozes depth and art, then you're going to legit love this conversation. Marcus was the host of my first ever virtual open mic night that I participated in a couple weeks ago, and he so calmly calmed my nerves. I'm just so honored to have this beautiful, super cool (laughs) dude, man, poet, Charleston's first poet laureate and award-winning Marcus Amaker on the show. On to our 100th episode of Self-Care Spotlight. Alrighty, we are officially recording and I've got the wonderfully talented Marcus Amaker on the show. Thank you so much for being here, Marcus. You are welcome. You're welcome. Honestly, uh, this is how I feel and... I truly, in my mind, I think you are the epitome of artist. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Thank I, you. I'm just going to start right there. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> Sweet. Nice to be on here. No, yeah. yeah. That's or really, like, you're welcome. That's how I feel. Um, so I'm just going to like love you up like right here in the beginning to set the mm-hmm. tone. Everyone, Marcus is just, uh, he's, oh, you know cool dude so kind to me just you are artist and with a capital a and that's something that i wanted to like that was my first question really for you that i wanted to dig into was for someone like you who 
you know, you've been making even music I saw on your Instagram since like the 80s when you were what, five, six? Very young. Yeah, very young. I started when I was 10. Yeah. 10 was the first thing that I did. 10, 10. Okay. And that was in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So music and making art, like you've just been, now, you know, you do so much, you know, you're this award-winning graphic designer, you create this music and make these out al- these poetic albums and you've written eight books and there's just that's what I mean like you just are an artistic poetic person that just like it it flows through your veins and courses out of you and in your presence even though I've never physically met you it's just like it comes off of you so what I would love to ask for people that are listening to this, um, what would you want to say to people who want, desire to be an artist for a living, but they're really stuck in that fear of the starving artist? Uh, Yeah, I'm just going to pause right there. What would you say to those people? Because I'm sure that you're well aware of what that stereotype is and you can't make money doing something you love, making art, living from your heart and what brings you joy. Um, so what would you say to those people that are listening that are kind of stuck? Yeah, I would ask them to really look at the real reasons why they are stuck. Is it a story that they are telling themselves? Is a story that we all have told ourselves is that Yes, being an artist means that that's something that you do as your passion, but you have to do the other thing, you know, to make money, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So that was a story that I told myself when I was younger, that this is just something that I'm just going to do for for fun. And then I'm going to have to like suck it up and do my real job, quote unquote. And I just kept telling myself that story until after college and then I realized that there were tools available for me um, to publish my work, to get my work out there, um, to sort of redefine what I consider to be successful. And once I changed those stories, that's when things started changing for me, realizing that I could control the narrative of having my work out there. So for anybody who is still stuck and feeling sad about not knowing how to start and getting their work out there and knowing that they love to write or knowing that they love to tap dance or or whatever it is. Um, There are tools available and there are people available and and, and like organizations and things available to help people um, to sort of redefine what they think about their art. There's a lot of opportunities out there for for a lot of people to um, to get their work heard and get their work seen. Um, one of the mottos that I have, and I stole this from another poet, but he said, um, "To get a gig, you give a gig." You know, so hopefully there are people in within your community that will help you um, get out there and will give you tips on how to publish a book or give you tips and, and guidance on how to um, write, write a song, tips about licensing. Like there's so many 
um, layers to being an artist. But I'm here, you know, really to tell folks that you can be an artist full time. And this is something that I tell all of my students when I'm in front of students, like fourth and fifth graders. You know, I always ask, I always ask one of the first things is, um, who here considers yourself an artist? And almost er everyone in like fourth and fifth grade raises their hand. I was with the seventh grade class yesterday and maybe two, two students raised their hand. So I'm just sitting there like, what makes us lose that? Mm. But when we're young, we just draw, like we just do it. And then, and we love doing it and it's fun. And you make something and you aren't comparing yourself to somebody else. You're just making it and it's really fun. Um, and that's really how I feel for 100% of my music and about 72% of my poems. <laughs> like I'm, I still feel that thing where it's just for me, it's happy. I'm happy that it's made. I'm not um, comparing myself to somebody else or thinking about how it's going to be read or things like that. So making I mean, art just to make art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is exactly what my music is. And that's why I love that side of me. Um, I've made 30 something albums and it's just me on, on drum machines and synthesizers, making music, um, some, sometimes singing, sometimes not. A lot of it is like, it is, it, it's like, yeah, meditation music. Some mm -hmm. of it is just beats, but it's stuff that I am completely free on, you know, right. being the poet laureate of Charleston, there's expectations on some of my work, especially when I'm asked to write about certain things. So, um, I am rambling on now, but that's just, um, you're not rambling. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> well, that's just how I feel about some of the artwork that I do and what it means to be an artist. Right. I, I really do think that it comes back to just, um, the story. Yeah. 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 That story. I think that that's, that's really important. Right. To, well, it's to also, the social programming that creates that story that says that created, right? There was the social, there was the programming that created the starving artist, uh -huh. right? The, the yeah. culture and the society and the, you know, the, the prescription that we were all fed that said, this is how this is success. Right. And yeah. artists didn't necessarily fit into that category right? It got cast out. And so there's so much in there that was good that was not rambling. And so there's that part. And then there's the what is artist? And how do we expand what artist means? I've definitely had that conversation with people because people think of it just as a painter. I find that's, that's like the one thing people <laughs> think. Yeah, visual is the right. first thing. Yeah. And, and that's a one, one that is a wonderful thing to be able to do to be able to paint stuff it's awesome so. right but it's not the only form of art there's mm -hmm. like let's expand what that means to make art uh mm -hmm. so there that's the whole conversation really it's like okay well what is art what does it mean to be an artist and i find that so interesting that in the three years time children can go from fourth grade to seventh grade and no longer identify with artist right mm -hmm. what yeah. happened what was the programming that was placed in front of them and ingrained into their brain that said you are no longer artists that didn't that was never you that's not it can't be for you that's for other people yeah. what happens i mean that's really interesting 
to me. Yeah, and and I know that that period for me went from making music, so making all these like silly songs and stuff, and I used to sing about uh, mac mac and cheese, and you know, I mean, just <laughs> random things. And then in high school, I shifted um, into writing because my voice changed. So it was this practical thing that changed for me. So I don't know if I would have identified as an artist in high school, even though I was writing. Um, so I don't know if, if it's just the definition that is pulling some people back or, or whether it really is just a hard stop. But I know for me, there was like a freeness of being young and you just feel like your voice box is at its peak and just all these things, you could just do it. And then I know that with uh, high, high school comes a lot of a lot of pressure um, and a lot of anxiety and things like that, which I honor, you know, but yeah, I think it's the people who kind of stick through that and express that through art are the ones that keep on going. I mean, whether they are aware of it or not. Right. Um, it, yeah, it's really an interesting thing that happens. And all of us are still going through it, you know. Yeah, and a lot of us, I think, like, become adults and we maybe haven't ever had the opportunity to express that artistic side or looking at what are our passions or our creativity. And then we grow up and mm -hmm. we feel, like, this sense of emptiness, right? And mm -hmm. I... I it's so it's such a sad thing but if we can at least become self-aware then we can do something about it and then that's where the question comes in of well and then I feel stuck and I'm afraid and I'm in this job and how do I get out of it right so that's why I wanted to ask that question is you know like you said it's there's a story unpack the story and look f like who is that that says that that's um oh it's I'm from Pittsburgh this is awful Fred Rogers Look for the helpers. <laughs> who can you who can you ask for help? Like who where can you find guidance? Right? Like mm -hmm. even the last guy that was on my show, John, I was asking him questions about, you know, how he self-published his first book. And there are people that are willing to talk to you uh, if you're willing to ask. Mm -hmm. Right? But yeah. are you willing to even ask? Because that requires that you take yourself somewhat seriously. That, that is true. That is true. And holding yourself like mm -hmm. uh, accountable and things like that. And, um, and two with, with poetry, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it's just, there's still an old school sense of if you self publish, it doesn't mean as much as getting published by somebody else. Um, and that was, that's a story that is told to a lot of poets, at least it was told to me. Um, when I was first starting out. So being able, having the ability to, you know, to design your own book and send your book to a printer and print it and have it come to you and have it be this beautiful thing wasn't enough. Like it had to be, mm -hmm. your poems have to be accepted by random person press, you know, and then, and then it gets, you know, pub. But that's true. That's true of not even just writing. That's like, you could expand that to, well, why would I start a podcast? No one's going to listen. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's really like what I why why would I do anything creative? Like it's going to it's going to go nowhere. Like this is just mm -hmm. but again, it goes back to take the pressure off of the creative side of you and just make the art. Just yeah. make the art to make yeah. art. Yeah. Yeah. Just goes full circle again. Um mm -hmm. 
So then what happens with, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Because this is something I was talking to you about. Because mm-hmm. I got on your free verse fest and I did the first ever, that was my ever first ever experience sharing on a, a mic night, yeah. being really new to this poetry space. Um, that was like really scary for me to, <laughs> it, it being hosted by Charleston's Poet Laureate and there's, I knew there would be other people on there that are more seasoned than I, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. I told you, I just was like, oh, I just really feel like an imposter. Like, I shouldn't be on here. Mm-hmm. How did you get over that feeling? Well, I was willing to get my ass kicked. That was one of the first things. Uh, when I first started out doing spoken word and going to shows, I knew that I had a lot to learn. And I was willing to really, and I say that just but it, but it, but it really was an openness to getting my butt kicked, um, and I did, and and I needed it, <laughs> and it was okay, you know, um, because some some sometimes we need that if we want to improve our work and improve our our writing. Now that's just me speaking for me. Uh, the other folks might not um, interpret things that way. I think that as long as the people who are around you are um, encouraging, I think that that is, that can be a really healthy environment. If somebody is there as competition, then that can easily turn into a thing where it can stop somebody from going. So luckily I had people who I would look up to, and I still do, who read really amazing poems Um, but who also came and talked to me and like encouraged me to keep writing, knowing that I was just, you know, starting out. Um, but in, in, internally, it was me taking notes, you know, it was me being like, oh, there is a certain inflection on the way that somebody reads. Mm -hmm. Oh, like their metaphors are really strong. Oh, like they came to the open mic with five new poems and I have, and I have a, a like pancake, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like. It was like they were doing more work for it to improve than I was. So it was important for me to go, okay, well, if I want to be, if I want to improve, not necessarily be like them, but if I want to improve, be inspired by the work ethic to, to make it happen. Because still there's this idea that poetry and art, it's magic, you know, and some of it is there is a sense of magic that comes in and helps you to create, Mm -hmm. but it's also work. Like it's literally just like being a, being like a a, a plumber. Like, you know, you need to study how to fix the toilet. (laughs) You need need to study how to uh, write a, a, like a poem. So there are, again, there are people out there to help. There's YouTube videos, there's all types of stuff. It's cool to have your own style, but it's also cool to, you know, realize the ways that your voice can be expanded and your voice can be strengthened. Right. Um, Yeah. So, and again, I I can speak about this because I've been doing it for 228 years, but, and and I wasn't super aware of it in the middle of it. Like I would go home and be like, oh, I'm not good, blah, blah, blah. But then again, it's all about that story. So again, I just started to reframe that and be like, okay, I have room to grow and that's awesome you know it's really cool right. to realize that there's so much more for me to learn and I'm still in that mode I mean I yeah I'm learning a lot so right I now. could pull several things out of there that are like 
key points I'd say. Like, again, there's going back to a story that's in your head about, okay, instead of saying I'm an imposter, I'm new to this and I'm growing and I'm learning. And then there's also the piece of um, that you have to be willing to get your ass kicked and that you're not going to be perfect and you have to put yourself out there and you might just completely face smack and that's okay. (laughs) And that you have to be willing also to, you can get over imposter syndrome, point three, I would say, from what you said, start to really study your craft and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say like those three things is what I would bing, 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 pull out of there. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, and, and there's the obvious stuff of don't compare yourself to others, but it's really easy to do that, especially in a um, feedback-driven world where likes and all, and all these things, and there's a million pe- you know people doing stuff that you are doing. So it's easy to compare yourself, but obviously there's that. Um, but also, I just think it's important to... Uh, sort of craft your voice like everything that you create you don't have to share like everything that you write you don't have to share with with people and there are so many poems or so many things that I've done that's just for me like it's it's on my dropbox you know if it's you know it's in a vault you know it's it's like it's not it's not going to be heard and that stuff when I started to look at that stuff versus the stuff that I share with folks and if somebody didn't like it, then I start to rethink the poem or something. I'm like, no, like this poem is okay. So I've 100 had that experience. A word. Yeah. Like Uh, I, I put something out there and then I was like, I really loved it. I thought it was fan freaking tastic. And then it wasn't received the way I wanted. And I am, then I started rethinking this must be shit. Like, mm-hmm. I must be wrong, but why did yeah. it speak to me so much? And I just went in this shame spiral, and then I luckily have a group of women in my life, and it stopped me. They helped stop me from that story, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand that. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. So I have to say, I, I, I want to know, how does one, because I honestly don't know, how does one become a poet laureate? <laughs> I had never even heard the term, yeah. legit never had heard the term before Amanda Gorman. I literally was like, oh, what yeah. is that? Um, yeah. Like I said, new to the poetry space, I had, yeah, I'm honestly curious how many even of like my listeners had ever heard of that term before. I, I should ask that as a poll on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, actually, actually you probably should. Um, but yeah, so how does one become... Yeah, what does it mean? Like, how does one become one? Yeah, so I can only speak to my experience, and I know that for me, um, I'll just, yeah, replay the tape. It's or like go back in the time timeline. But I moved to to Charleston in two thousand three, and by that time, I was not in my um, in my poetic voice as I am now. So I was going to a lot of open mics. I was learning from a lot of people, writing all types of different poems. It didn't feel right. But anyway, but but that was a, a wonderful time. Then I studied my craft. I started working on it some more. I also, at the same time, I was working at the local n- newspaper. So I became the editor of uh, the entertainment section of the newspaper, which 
got me in touch with a lot of business owners, so local business owners. So I would frequent all these places because I love I love a dive bar. <laughs> so I frequent all these places a lot. And I started asking, I'm like, hey, like this will be a great spot for like for like like an open mic, you know, or a poetry slam. So all of them were like, yeah, let's bring some people in. So I started to host a whole bunch of events. Um, so weekly, I would just do all of these events and started to really connect with local people in town, meeting a whole bunch of poets, going to their open mics. They would come to mine, all these things. It was a lot of fun. So throughout that, I published my books and um, yeah, I started to really, really, really work on my craft. And then um, fast forward to when um, the massacre at, at, at Mother Emanuel happened. Um, and for your podcast listeners, y'all can just Google that. But it, it, was a, mm-hmm. it was really, really a traumatic thing for Charleston. People killed in church when they were studying uh, the Bible. So um, I was asked by another local newspaper to write about that incident. And I wrote about it, and it got published in their paper, I immediately started to hear from people, including the family members. I did a performance in, in honor of and in benefit of the family members where I performed those poems. And the mayor, or the would-be mayor, um, he was in the, in, the, uh, in the audience and came up to me and gave me a big hug and said he connected with my work. And then he said he wanted me to write his um, inauguration poem. Mm. So I am not, you know, a poet laureate at this time. I haven't been asked to do a lot of, at that time, I was not asked to write a lot of poems for other people. So anxiety came and stuff. And I wrote this poem with the poet laureate of the state. So Marjorie Wentworth is a really good friend of mine. She's a poet laureate of South, of South Carolina. And we wrote this thing together. And then we did it in front of all these TV screens and stuff. And then the mayor contacted me probably two weeks later and said he wanted to create a poet laureate position and wanted to know if I wanted it. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) So the, yeah. So the funny thing was I was actually at a dive bar when he called (laughs) and I was a little bit like day drunk. Like that was the first time I had done that in a long time. Um, so I was like, Hey man, what's going on? You know? And, um, but he offered it to me, um, and it was a wonderful thing. And it was also a part of Charleston trying to reconcile with what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a lot of black voices in Charleston that were not being heard at that time. And when a racially charged massacre happens, people wake up a little bit. Um, so I was part of that wake up. And so, and that was also the time that I really started to write about the city and write about racism. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so being a poet laureate, as it was explained to me when I said yes to the position, it is to spread the literary love to different organizations to also visit a lot of schools, which I had been doing prior, but I do that all the time now. Um, and also it gives me opportunity to, to travel, um, as a poet too. So I have a lot of upper opportunity as, as, a, as a writer and as a poet to be in front of a lot of people 
and be a spokesperson for the city as far as arts goes. And I'm also asked to write a whole bunch of poems for different events. So I wrote a poem for like the Wine and Food Festival, wrote a poem, wrote another poem for the mayor, wrote a poem for the Citadel, which is a college. So, um, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, I you. love that. Oh, I love that story too. It's yeah. wonderful. Thank you yeah, for explaining but, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're welcome. And and there's a lot of things with being a poet laureate on larger scales, like Amanda Gorman's the poet laureate or the youth poet laureate. But there's state poet laureates. There's other cities, of course. Everybody's job is a little di- different. But mm. you are sort of the arts spokesperson. Mm-hmm. So I fight for my artist friends. When I talk to the mayor, I'm like, more money needs to go toward this. Um, we need to have murals, you know, things like <sighs> things like that. So, yeah. You are so needed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. We yeah. need, we need more of that. <laughs> this, is true. this is true. That's a beautiful position to hold. I'm sure you're really proud. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And, and, and being in front of schools is one of the, best parts of it because students think of it as like a rock star sort of title and mm-hmm. so yeah for me to be able to sh- show that to them means means a lot mm-hmm. so two questions off of that um mm-hmm. let's start with since you just talked about schools because i think it can go right into adults you're in front of children a lot at schools how do you get children to write about their feelings and put it in a poetic form like how do you get those creative juices flowing for children that could really be exactly the same probably for adults who are like i can't write i'm not a writer (laughs) yeah yeah so i i always let students know that it's a safe space so that's one of the first things that i let them know is that their voices matter and it is a safe space. So whatever they are feeling is okay. And this is typically for high school on up, you know, you have to have that conversation and just say, Hey, this is a safe space. You might be going through something traumatic. You might not, but both of those things are okay. Um, so if you want to share that, that's okay. And if you don't, that's okay as well. Then I give them examples of my work where I'm really, really vulnerable and just say, you know, you might think of me as a quote unquote rock star, but I am just as anxious as you. And I still go through all of these things. And, you know, I'm asked to perform in front of thousands of folks and I still sweat when I'm walking on the stage. And I, and I always do a um, pre-show poop, you know, before I walk (laughs) on stage, like, you know, I'm just super honest with people. Like that is that is the thing I do before every show. I take a poop anyway, and it's all nerves. Like it's literally all nerves. So, I have yeah, never so, had someone say. No, hey, I'm just telling the truth. Like you asked, right? So, um, yeah. So I let them know that I'm like, this is this is me. Um, so I'm no different than you all. And I usually just really perform some vulnerable poems for them. So just let let them know, like that everything's all right. <coughs> and then I provide um, sort of writing prompts. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like fill in the blanks type of things. Um, and I always ask, and it's funny, so I give them that prep, I, and I go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable, I'm, I'm, cr- I'm crazy. Um, 
and here is a prompt and i'm like this you know like you you can make this a silly poem if you want or you can make this about yourself and usually 98% of the time they make it about themselves even though they have the opportunity to write about you know um socks or sports what's or an example of a prompt that someone could do like after this listening to this episode what's an example oh well it's a little long but it's a self portrait poem prompt and it's three three stanzas and each line of the poem starts with it was i am i want i hear i cry and then another stanza is like i pretend to mm-hmm. i look i am so it's just me being like okay whatever you write after i am is totally fine you know okay um yeah so it's so it's um you know i, I can actually send you the pdf um, yeah, so so you can see it. Yeah. And I put some poetic things in there to make it a poem so it's not just a journal entry, you know, so it's like the first line is is it is repeated throughout the, the poem and I encourage them to use like a alliteration. So it's almost like I hold their hand in writing a piece. Is that something um, you'd be willing to share with the readers? Are you able to share that like as a PDF? Sure, yeah, sure. Because yeah, we could totally do that. I can make that like a thing that's clickable, and then I can put it in the show notes. Oh, perfect. Yeah, 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 perfect. I will, cool. I will send it to you. Yeah. All right, yeah, guys. Well, there you go. From the part <laughs> laureate of Charleston, you can get a little writing prompt. Yeah, writing prompt, yeah. <laughs> You're and welcome. Yeah, and it is a prompt that I received from from, from, from another poet, um, and, it was, and it's a wonderful thing. So I just keep learning so much about... The, the ways to, you know, just let people know that it's okay to share what, what you want to share and sort of break down the idea that writing a poem is hard. Like anyone can, anyone can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you hear so that all the time. I can't write a poem. I can't yeah, write, I can write a poem. All the- yeah, and, for, and then for, for younger kids, it's usually really, really fun where we, we do ex- exercises where we get up in front of the class and it's called the one word poem and I get them to each say one word and we go in a line but it's but what we say has to make sense you know Mm -hmm. so it's like I am hungry because you know you just keep on going and it's fun to do that and make it a poem and somebody's writing down what we say and it always ends up really really fun for them so it just gets them sort of activated in writing like you know, writing can involve getting up in front of a class, and writing can involve um, can involve like pancakes, and writing can involve all you know all types of stuff um, that people don't think. I mean, it's a flexible art form. You know, it's not just sitting and lighting incense and, and writing in your in your journal. Like it yeah. literally can be a whole bunch of things. Yeah, you know? give it more life. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I think it's time we take a poetic pause. What do you say? So, yeah, we're going to take a poetic pause. So we're going to invite everybody. We're going to, this is what we do. We just take a, I teach yoga. So we're going to invite everybody to just take a breath. So we're going to close down our eyes. And we're going to go ahead and take an inhale through the nose. And then just softly sigh the breath out of your mouth. And everyone, you can keep your eyes closed unless, of course, you are driving. And in the meantime, Marcus, you can go ahead and share a favorite piece of yours, anything that is calling to you that you would like to share right now. 
Okay. This is a poem that I wrote uh, when my wife was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, Our daughter is 17 months old, and I was thinking a lot about the anxiety of that, but also how perfect it all is. This is called Reflector. When will I stop seeing tired eyes after waking up next to mirrors? Why do I call the cracks in my face fault lines? How does the earth hold so much weight, so much anxiousness? When will I stop messing with my hair? When will I break free from vanity's repetition? Look for natural light. Don't sit with shadows. Suck in your stomach when someone takes a full-bodied picture, excessive mirrors. Purchase an outfit, return the outfit after trying it on at home. Selfies on the way to the poetry show, selfies in the car, adjust brightness, convince yourself you look better when you were a kid, post that photo on social media, obsessively check for likes, wipe the grease from your huge forehead, wipe the shine from your nose, Wipe the photo from your mind. Take another, take another, take another. How will I not want to take a photo of my daughter every day? How will I not see perfection in her complexion and smooth brown skin tone? What if someone says she looks like me? How will she not be beautiful? How did I learn to be okay with toxic thought? How do I not get angry if someone looks at her the way I sometimes look at myself? That's that poem. I immediately got chills as soon as it was directed towards your daughter. And there was that, that awareness of how we treat ourselves Mm -hmm. versus but how would you look at your daughter and would you ever want her to feel that way or look at herself as anything but perfect? Yeah. Yeah. That immediately gave me chills. It was just that redirect. Yeah. Thank you. It was so yeah. 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 That's, that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned about being a parent is just, uh, you know, the way I look at her, I'm like, that's the way my parents look at me. And why do I look at myself differently? Like, why am I adjusting the light on, um, on Zoom? Well, you know, I mean, I mean it's just all, all these things, like what is going on? And, you know, it's, um, it's okay to feel those things, but it's also good to be aware of it and realize how damaging it can be. Um, I wrote another, like, really short poem about and it's called selfie <laughs> and it's about taking a photo of a mountain because I love mountains, you know, and when you look at the photo on your phone, it does not even come close. No. So, but we take selfies all the time and we look at these photos and think that that's us, right? Mm. Think that that really reflects how beautiful we are. Like, it's just like the mountain mountains so massive and huge. And then we, we look at ourselves and we're like, we are beautiful as well, but... Uh, it, excellent it, point. Yeah, it cannot be reflected through a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we right. always say that about landscapes. We're like, this is not doing it justice. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. about towards you? It's not yeah. doing you justice. I think about that all the time. 
Great point. Excellent point. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So, okay. You brought up in the last free verse fest, the, the, uh, the mic night that I was on um, a couple weeks ago. Um, you brought up that you really wanted to focus on some joy mm-hmm. and yeah. word <laughs> because there is yeah. so much, so much pain and so much uncertainty and so much suffering and so much trauma that we've just become accustomed to at this point. Um, you know, and you have this, you know, I I was looking around on your website and I was listening to this piece that you have, the America I know could use a good cry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was listening, I, that title alone is just wonderful and poetic in and of itself and says a lot. Um, and you write a lot, you have a lot of poems about America and the state of this country and different things and. How do you strike that balance, really, between seeking the joy? I mean, that's a very personal question. I know it's not easy to answer, but like, how do you find that balance between being overwhelmed by the world and it being almost easier to write from a place of suffering versus seeking the joy or writing about joy. And I'm going to have you share that poem about flowers in a moment here. But, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to, like, put that out there. Like, how do you strike that balance? Because I know that so many people are wanting to find that. Like, they're wanting to access the joy in life. Well, I tend to don't think that balance is something that you find i think it's already there so i think that we have these two things living at the same time i don't believe in a dualistic world where it's either or this or that or joy or trauma Mm -hmm. those things are existing at the same exact time so everything in my opinion it's just a choice so something traumatic can happen something traumatic is happening right now as as we are saying this you know somewhere something traumatic is happening but also there's joyful things that are happening a baby's being born right now you know mm-hmm. somebody is at at um like a funeral right right now it's all happening at the same time so to me it's just a choice it's just what do i decide to um want to focus on what is calling to me And at this point in time, being a father to a 17-month-old who is babbling and running around and falling down and crying and getting back up and eating um, bananas. And I mean, just, I mean, there's just all all these wonderful things about being a dad that's happening right now. My choice is to not ignore the traumatic stuff because it's there Mm -hmm. and it's very very present and even when if i try to ignore it something will happen to me or directed toward me because of the color of my skin but i'm also choosing to be more aware of the joy that is happening um because children are very intuitive people are intuitive um everyone is but just to pass down trauma 
is something that I'm not interested in, even though I know that it's just, it's going to be there, but it's just, it's not something that I want to be active in. Um, so that's just a thing that I'm in right now. Um, I know that, or I shouldn't say I know that, but as a person of color who writes poetry and who is real in his conversation, like what we talked about before we started recording, like I don't do small talk, I just can't do that. So people usually will ask me to write about traumatic things, like, and it's a blessing. This is first world problems 101 you know as an artist i'm asked to write about slaves you know so slavery like it's nice to be able to be asked to do that stuff mm -hmm. but i would love to be asked to write about um uh, rock and roll you know what i mean like let's just <laughs> let's not box uh artists of color into always having to explain racism to people let's not box us into that um I write about a lot of things. I'm I'm the biggest Star Wars fan you've ever met. So, you know, I would love to I would love for this podcast to be about Star Wars, you know. <laughs> um so so there are things like that that I think about a lot and again when I was younger choosing joy was an easier thing and I think that that's true of a lot of people. Um it was just easier to just be silly, you know, and just um let yourself do that. <laughs> So, um, so, do you yeah, think just, you have to suffer to make great art? I ask this question a lot. I don't. I don't think so. I think that you're the only job that you have as an artist is to make art. You know, if you are an architect, your job is to build homes. If you're a, if you're a plumber, your job is to fix fix toilets. If you're an artist, your job is to make art, and it doesn't even have to be great. You know, like it can be crazy. That's why I love sort of some punk rock stuff. Um, in order to make great art, it can come from anywhere. So um, there's plenty of artists who are just 100% in their joy. I'm listening to a lot of kids songs right now. <laughs> so there's, I'm like, well, that's really cool to let yourself sing Itsy Bitsy Sp Spider and let that be, be good. Um, Why do you think it's easier to access the creative? Because I mean, I've I've told you my story. I mean, I didn't start mm -hmm. writing a lick of poetry until yeah. I was in the throes of the worst suffering of my life. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you think it's easier to? And I've started writing more about joy. I mean, I just actually wrote a piece that was called "The Other Side," and it's about being on the other side. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the piece that brought me so much personal joy. And then it wasn't received. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. I find that people like um, trauma porn, I'm going to oh, say. Yeah. Um, I find people find those pieces um, like literally get more comments or likes or interest. And I was like, that was that conversation I had with John was – his book's called uh, You Only Love Me When I'm Suffering. And I thought, shit, that's literally how it can it can feel that way. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, why do you think it's so much easier? Why is it so much easier to access creative juices when you're in pain versus when you're in joy? Uh, well, I tend to think... Tell me, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just leave the meeting. No, um... So I tend to think people like us who are feelers, we're empaths, uh, 
it's it's a it's a good way for us to deal with the pain is to express ourselves to deal with it i, I think that 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 isn't true of everyone some people go go through traumatic things and then they immediately go get drunk or some people go through traumatic things and they punch a hole in the wall or they scream or there's so many ways to express the pain that you're going through for people like us you know i'm i don't know you that well but i sense that there's there's a lot that's a, that is aligning with us um when so, something traumatic ha- happens we aren't punching the wall we're trying to figure out how to pro- how to pro- process it and that might be creating you know that might be writing uh, mm-hmm. that might be you know just a way to express right. it that way so i i think that is true of some people yeah i mean um things you know obviously have happened to all of us and then you just you almost give give yourself per- permission to express yourself that way when it's been there the whole time but this just gives yourself permission and i think that for some people like us when when some, something happens when it's near death or close to death or death happens to us there's a deep appreciation of our breath and there's a deep appreciation of life that happens that makes you more in tune with that side of yourself that's naturally willing to express you know mm-hmm. um because you realize how precious things are right um, right it's really it's and- a sad thing sometimes but it's also really kind of joyous to be like wow this is a t- temporary experience mm-hmm. you know i better enjoy it because i'm going to miss it at some point and yeah it's interesting it is interesting and there goes back to that you know the duality like you said is you you know you're going to feel in probably intense pain in your life you're also going to feel intense joy in your life Mm-hmm. And you can make art out of all of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 that is a good choice. Right? That's, it's that's not just the pain. Choice. But I yeah. think the pain is just, like I said, if people just, I don't want to say people like pain, but like we do have this tendency as human beings that I think we can really empathize with pain mm-hmm. easier, it feels like, than empathizing with joy i don't know what that is about the human psychology yeah but it seems true true. um i think i'll just keep i'm probably gonna keep asking that question for a very long time but i always like to hear people's response to it yeah it kind of feeds into the idea the same thing as the starving artist is that you have to suffer also for your art right like it's both of those stereotypes so all right so so one 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 thing i'll mention before we shift is just but that isn't true when it comes to kids. I see the way that people react to my daughter, mm-hmm. and it's almost like she is medicine for people. Like they needed that. And then mm. I've seen I've seen people like dance in front of her, and, and you know, and I'm like, dude, I didn't know that you can move you move your hips like like that, you know, or like sing silly songs, or she likes to clap, so people immediately clap, and just this immediate joy. So it's it's really interesting, like, why... Why is that? it okay for her to yeah. express joy and you can feel it and you're like, oh, it touches you. But if an adult is dancing like a fool or doing something, you're like, yeah, like looking at them, like, oh, yeah. okay. And you might even be triggered by their joy. I found joy trigger is a very real thing for people. Yeah. I literally have found, like... 
I went on vacation to Charleston and I literally had people like unfollowing me that whole week. <laughs> wow. And yeah. it was like a psychology experiment. And I'm just like, if you only love me when I'm suffering, then like you're free to go because I, yeah. that's not what I'm here for is just to like be your suffering person so that you can be like feeling like, oh, I'm not alone in my pain. Like, no, you're not. But like, I can't always be in it with you. Like, yeah. I want to get out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is time to time to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to stay yeah, in the yeah, trenches. That's such an interesting thing. Yeah, joy is definitely a, a trigger. I think about that if big news happens for me, and then I share it, and and then and then jealousy happens or things like that, or if I'm you know jealous of other people, um, that stuff happens. It's really it's really interesting being a human. You know <laughs> <laughs> that it is, well, Marcus. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but also it's just it's really it's, it's also like immediately if you start to feel jealous then then you then you tell yourself oh i shouldn't be feeling jealous and then you're then you're fighting feeling jealous then you're fighting yourself for telling you know, right it's I just mean, shame it's just, yeah it's just this feedback loop uh, that happens over and over again so with that being yeah. said yes. joy um <laughs> I want to take a poetic pause, and I asked you if you could please read this specific poem to me um, about yeah. flowers, and yeah. I love flowers, and when you read this on the, the, the mic night uh, on your page, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes, the, the free verse yeah. fest. I'll put that in the show okay. notes as well, so folks, you can find it. Uh, it's his creation. I'll make sure I put it in his show notes. So, we're going to take another poetic pause. Mm-hmm. So... Again, I'm going to go ahead and I I personally like to close my eyes and listen. So again, if you're not driving and you want to close down your eyes, you can do so and just kind of center yourself with a breath, maybe breathing right into your heart space, that space where you feel joy right in the heart chakra space. Just take a big breath there and Marcus, whenever you're ready. This is a brand new poem called Give Yourself Some Flowers. And in the beginning, God gave your body a checklist. Keep your heart on beat and your lungs dancing with oxygen, not passive to air. Make sure the path of your blood slows down for checkpoints and avoids bumps in the road. Train your nerves to keep a balanced pace and stay within the lines of steady flow. Push forward without putting too much pressure on movement. Remember to return to water when your spirit and its frame are in drought. Treat your body like a well-rounded planet built for all seasons or pretend you are an adaptable star. Float in the black and stay there if you need to. Save some light for yourself. In other words, rest like the sun does. Schedule some time to stay out of sight when too many people praise warm energy. Keep in mind all of these things when depression tells you nothing is working. Keep in mind all these things when it tells you there is no invisible force connecting us when you're veins are stopped by blood clots when your bones are dry and the water is too quick to boil keep in mind all of these things when it tells you that the soul is like the body 
made to be broken, open to deterioration and doubt. Yes, keep in mind all of these things, but remember, even when it seems like the clock isn't ticking, you were made perfectly for this moment in time. Rest like the sun does. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, Love that. thank you. Thank you for reading. Yeah, I have two final questions for you. Mm -hmm. I'll do the first. Okay, this one first. I said I was going to ask you about this, so I'm going to ask you. Okay. How did you feel watching Amanda Gorman as the first youth national poet laureate? Um, yeah, perfect. You know, yeah. was how was that moment for you? I know it was a lot of big, like, she brought up a lot of, whoa, feelings for a lot of people. I mean, she, I think she stole the show, in my yeah. opinion. How did that feel to you, like, seeing youth poet, a, a, a you know, black, young black woman? I mean, there's just a lot there. Poetry on a huge spotlight. How did that feel? Mm -hmm. I am not saying this to diminish the moment because it was a beautiful moment. But it was not surprising to me because that's what poets do. Poets are always asked to be up on a stage for five minutes or less and grab people by the heartstrings <laughs> and then um, some sum it up for them in the most beautiful way. Mm -hmm. So when she was reading, I was thinking, this is amazing. This is what poets do. And I love that she's doing it. I also love that she comes from a long line of poets who have done similar things. Um, people should listen to Maya Angelou's poem that she read for uh, Bill Clinton's um, inauguration in the 90s. Um, that was another moment for me back in the day that I was like, what is, is happening? Somebody's just is reading and it's, <laughs> and it's amazing. So it's, it's really, really amazing what she has done. And I also love the fact that poetry for some people, it is now a normalized conversation. So when I'm in front of cl classes and it's a new class, I used to be able to, or I used to have to sort of explain what I do. So now pe pe people are like, or now I can say, oh yeah, like I do what, 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 like Amanda Gorman does, you know, and people just like instantly know, and that's, and that's great. I'm also really proud of her. I think that, so I've, I've been watching her career for four years now. I tried to get her to Charleston like three years, years ago, but I never got an answer on the Instagram message. <laughs> she had, she had maybe 2000 followers then. Um, but yeah, so so like yeah, it was never a red message. I was like, ah, you know. But now it's funny to see what's happening, and she's so big, and that, and I think taking this moment for all that it's worth. So it's wonderful. But when I say it's not, it's not surprising. I don't want that to. I know what to, you mean. Yeah, yeah, but it's um, it's it's been great. She comes from a long line and is part of a long line of poets who have been doing similar things on big stages. But now it's cool that these big companies and events like the Super Bowl, you know, asked her to do a poem. That's awesome. That that type of thing opens up so many doors for a lot of 
for a lot of people. Yeah, and I mean, talk about like a Super Bowl space, which has a lot of like toxic masculinity and things built into it. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have a poet and you're like, like, yeah, right on. <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah. But there's cool. so there's such a need for healing and poetry does that so naturally and intuitively. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's just speaking to that's just why it's just right now. It's just like riding this wave that is was so needed. And I, I agree. I love it, too. I love it for her. Yeah. I love it for poetry and all the poets out there and it's it's a really cool thing um to witness but i had to ask i had to ask yeah 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 that's wonderful so my last question for you before i have some quick rapid fire questions i do those (laughs) um i have to go (laughs) what does self-care mean to you this is a self-care spotlight Mm -hmm. self-care hot button word what does it genuinely mean to you it means giving yourself the giving yourself permission to create empty space. That's what self care means to me. Mm. Yeah, create empty space. Love so that. yeah, give yourself permission to. And some people might define it as not not do anything, but it, but in my mind, you're you're doing a hell of a lot for yourself if you just sit on your ass, (laughs) just like not, just turn off the phone and not check your email and not feel like you have to get up, just sit down, you know? So it's, yeah, creating, yeah, creating empty space um, and, you know, space where that is not filled by a, by a to-do list. I call Um, those like space pockets. So, um, like I'm always like making, make space, make space, take space breaks during the day, like find space pockets, because if you fill everything, then how can ideas or anything juicy ever find its way to you? If you're full, like if everything is so full, you, there's no room there, you know, there's nothing. Yeah. I, I get that. I love that. Yeah. And I, and I take naps, um, they haven't been as frequent being a dad, but um, one of my goals in life is to still be able to take a nap every day. So that's, that's the thing that I, that I try to do. <laughs> Naps are not for everyone though. I can't nap. I cannot, I've never been able to nap. I swear. It's wait. So, okay. So you can't, nap. I really feel, I, I really feel right. like I can't, like it's very rare. I don't think it's a story in my head. I genuinely feel <laughs> I cannot nap. Like oh, I, yes. <laughs> I have, to, I'd have to be knocked on my ass tired to take a nap. Like I can rest my eyeballs, but for me to actually fall asleep during the day, okay, that's uh-huh. not normal for me. I feel like you're either a napper or you're not a napper. Okay, that is, that is cool. I just, I would, I would challenge you. I would challenge you to do that. It's a story, <laughs> Alyssa. <laughs> because, yeah, like, your body is capable of falling asleep. I hope. Um, yeah, you can do it. Just, yeah, just, just choose. I'll make that a poll on Instagram, too. Are you a napper? Yes or no? <laughs> okay. okay. Or, uh, or don't, you know, like, you don't have to make a poll. Just take a nap. <laughs> anyway, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, so rapid fire questions. I'm just going to go through these really quickly. Just the first thing that, you know, like just a quick answer. And then uh-huh. what you're going to do is then we're just going to um, 
words. You're going to just tell people where they can find you, that kind of fun stuff. And then I like to have us ride off into the sunset together and you just read a final piece. So whatever piece that you want to read and that will literally close us out and it's just end and then it's done. Okay, cool. Okay. So, all right. What time of day or hours do you think that you write the best? 4.44 a.m. Interesting. Mine's 4.30 a.m. Okay. Very close. Very close. Text text me next time, yeah. Yo, I'm up. I'm writing. It's really early. (laughs) Okay. What's your... What did I write? Uh, I literally couldn't even read my... uh, Okay. What is your favorite album or book? Oh, wow. Favorite album right now is Choose Your Weapon by Hiatus Coyote. I don't know if y'all have heard of Hiatus Coyote. I have not. Oh, my gosh. I'll (laughs) write it down. Hiatus. I'm typing. Okay, I wrote it down. (laughs) Hiatus Coyote. It's called Choose Your Weapon. Okay. Uh, Favorite book. I don't have... A book that changed your life, maybe? You know, I don't. But but I have a favorite book right now. It's um, a Star Wars book that, that 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 I'm reading. It's called Light of the Jedi, and it's really good. All right. I wonder. Cool. My husband's super into Star Wars, so maybe I should oh, nice. tell him that. Yeah. Nice. All right. What do you like to create more, albums or books? Albums. I thought you were gonna say that. Yes. What stereotype around poets do you think is true, at least for you? I I can be too serious from time to time. Pretty much everyone has said something along those lines, like, we're emotional. <laughs> like, yeah. we have a lot of feels, or, like, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah that's definitely it. I, I want to talk about feelings all the time, and sometimes people are like, like, we're playing basketball right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm that person. I'm definitely that person. I get that. I get that. All right, last rapid fire. What is one poetic theme that you think you will always write about? I will always write about being a... No, no, well, you know what? That is the first thing that came to mind, is being a poet, writing about the... F- the act of being a poet. I, I like to write about that, especially for for students. I write a lot of poems about poetic form and things like that. So it's it's sort of my it's my go to. Hmm. No one has said that as an answer. So that's that's unique. It's unique. Yeah. yeah. All right, so where can we where can we find you, Marcus? Where can we find you on the gram? Where can we find your books, your thirty three albums? <laughs> yeah, so the first place you can find me is napping. That's the first thing. Um, <laughs> but on Instagram, it's Charleston Poet. Uh, that's me on Instagram. You can go to my website. To my website, um, I bought a whole bunch of URLs for it, but it's a uh, the Black Jedi is is a good way to go to it. I mean, it's also my name, MarcusAmerker.com or CharlestonPoet.com. Um, and my music is linked to from there, but my music name is Tape Loop. So it's TapeLoop.BandCamp.com. But all, all that stuff is linked through my gram and all that. 
I am not on TikTok because I'm too old and... I'm not either. Okay, word. I'm yeah, not. Yeah. I'm 30 and I'm not. And that, maybe that <laughs> makes me wrong, but I'm not. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. I'm, I've been thinking about it because, you know, that's where a lot of people are. But anyway, I'm not there yet. So I miss my space. That's what I miss. So. <laughs> okay. Yes, and you have so many like, guys. His he has like literal like their their vinyls and they're beautiful and they're you know in this space of you know what we could do is actually if you have like MP3s of something of your music we could actually insert that into somewhere in this episode if you wanted oh, to share yeah, some yeah. we can I can have my editor piece it in so that they can hear yeah. you over your like electronic music from like submersive or something and that might be really. Yeah cool so people can hear how your music sounds with your poetry yeah thank you yeah i will i will i will send you some some stuff yeah, yeah we can do that I'll, I'll make it like outro music or something <clears throat> all right yeah perfect yeah perfect. that sounds cool all right so with that right. being said let's go ahead and ride off into the sunset together we're going mm-hmm. to have marcus read us a final piece of his choosing uh-huh. whenever you're ready okay this is a poem called Making love with only words. I like how we are heavy without tipping the scale. Beautiful without makeup in mirrors. Dancing without listening to music. Wanting without needing. I like how we don't need poems to be poetic. How you say so much without speaking by just breathing next to me. I like how we learn so much without knowing by just glowing in the bright spots. My eyes are closed and I can see you. Just a short one. (laughs) Short, Mm. short. That was sensual and beautiful and I loved it. And thank you. You're welcome. I have a lot of, a lot of sensual poems that I used to write. Uh, I thought about reading one that's like a little over the top of I'll, I'll just send, send that to you. <laughs> but thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Marcus. You're wonderful. All right. Thank you. You are too. Thank you for listening. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Here's to your poetic healing. And don't forget, friends, snag my thank you gift from me to you for four years of podcasting and one Hundred episodes later by going to alyssacousins.com forward slash roses or the link in this episode's show notes on your podcast app you can get my body art thorns and roses class to practice embodied dance and writing and channel your very own artist quite fitting with today's episode am i right that's alyssacousins.com forward slash roses I'll be seeing you next week for the final episode in this Poetic Healing Spring Series. And it's just me and the mic and maybe Brad might make an appearance. To close, please enjoy some music that Marcus generously shared.